This podcast is brought to you by Marcus Rodriguez. If you're looking to buy or sell your home in this competitive market and you're not too sure where to start, look no further than Merced's preferred realtor, Marcus Rodriguez. He'll make sure the process goes as easy as possible and you can reach him at 209-554-1715. Visit his website, www.myagentmarcus.com or email him, info at myagentmarcus.com. This episode is brought to you by Thor. If you're in the Central Valley area and you're looking to get a tattoo, look no further than this dude right here. He's a versatile artist that specializes in black and gray realism. He's located in Merced at the Merced Tattoo and Piercing Company. And if you'd like to get in contact with him, either stop by the shop or reach out to him on Instagram. His Instagram is at underscore Thor with five E's. Once again, that's at underscore Thor with five E's. This episode is brought to you by Be Junk Free Merced. Everybody has stuff that's taking up space, but not everybody has the time, energy, and equipment to do something about it. That's where Scott Levesey comes in. If you have stuff that's overtaking your garage, yard, that spare room, or even a storage unit, give B-Junk Free Merced a call. You can reach them at 209-233-1519, and they'll give you an estimate and get back to you as soon as they can. This episode is brought to you by Patriarch One. Patriarch One LSC is a website, email, domain management, and design company. They can create your website from startup, refresh your current website, and even deal with domain transferring. Not only do they build a website for you, but they partner and manage the entire domain for you. They offer promotional gear as well, like business cards, shirts, pens, and anything with your logo on them. If you want to get in contact with them, you can reach them at 408-728-8001, visit their Instagram, patriarch1.llc, or email them, info at patriarch1.com. This podcast is brought to you by Duffy Murphy. Whether you need studio time, mixing and mastering services, or someone to clean up that podcast audio, he's your guy. And trust me, because he's my guy. You can reach him on Instagram, at Duffy Murphy, or email him, duffy.murphy at yahoo.com. Thanks for tuning in to Real Talk and Whatnot. I'm your host, Mike Izzieling. And if you're new here, this is a podcast where I highlight the talented individuals that live within the Central Valley in California, as well as people in general who are passionate about what they do. Once again, I want to say thank you to our sponsors. We have uh, a new one, Nathaniel Hines, and he owns Patriarch One. So shout out to him. Thank you for jumping on. And if you are out there and you're interested in becoming a sponsor, DM me or email me, mikeadiali at gmail.com, and we can get something working out. Now, once again, you guys, I want to remind you about reviews and downloads or whatever. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed, commenting. If you're listening to this on Spotify, make sure you're downloading the websites and leaving a review. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, leave a review and download them. Basically, just stay engaged in the thing. If you want to reach out to me on Instagram, go ahead. I am slowly making my way through the DM. So if you've already reached out to me, Got a lot going on, and I'm heading out the country, actually. I'm heading out the country to Costa Rica on Saturday. So really looking forward to that. But before I leave for that, I wanted to, you know, talk to you guys about just this episode and get another episode out. I know it took a little time, a little longer than usual. It's been about two weeks since our last episode. But like I said in that last episode, what I want to do is bring you guys more quality content. And with that, maybe means not making it a podcast a week, but maybe three podcasts a month. So kind of give me 10 days to edit 
episodes. That way it's not 30, 40 hours in one week. It's 30, 40 hours spread out between, you know, 10 days. So I want to say thank you guys for being patient with me, and I truly, truly appreciate it. Jumping into today's episode, today I am joined by a dude named Josh Regina. Josh is a really, really cool dude, and I have actually known him most of my life. Uh, we grew up together at CPC, the church. Then we played water polo against each other in high school, and we've always kind of just seen each other in the area. Uh, Josh owns and operates multiple dispensaries in the Central Valley area in Merced. He, he owns and operates Burner's Merced. He's also uh, a part of an investing group called Infinity Assets, and he's just a really cool dude, and he's all about the Central Valley area. Uh, when we got on the show, we started talking, and I just started you know, asking him questions about him, like what, what I normally do, and then he kind of flattered me, and he kind of stopped me, and he said, hey, like I just want to say like I love what you're doing. I love the... The, what you're doing with the with the culture and trying to bring awareness to the Central Valley. And I was just a really good compliment. And I was like, oh, thank you, man. And then what he said, what, it just blew my mind just because I just, he was like, before I came on the show, I kept thinking, how am I going to bring value to your listeners? How am I going to bring value to your listeners? And what he said was that growing up, all you hear in the Valley is like, oh, there's nothing to do, nothing to do. But like me and him are bro both proved that like, Growing up in the valley, there was always something to do. And so what he did is he just brought up all the gems that can be found around the Central Valley area. This one was specifically around Merced, but if you're anywhere from Fresno to Modesto, all these places are accessible to you. We talked about like places really close to Merced. We talked about all the swimming holes. We talked about so many fun, different things that you can do and just how the Central Valley gets a bad rep and it doesn't deserve it. You know what I mean? The Valley kids, man, Valley kids got to stick together and Valley kids, whether you like it or not, dude, we all have similarities and that's the thing. I love about a valley, whether you live in Bakersfield, whether you live in Fresno, whether you live in Merced, Modesto, Stockton, Sacramento, Yuba City, there's something that's similar about all of them is that we all had similar childhoods and the fact that, you know, we're get, we're packing in a car and we're driving to a swimming hole. We're caravanning over there. We're, we're having a great time. You know what I mean? And it's just a, it's a great place to grow up. And I truly, truly love it. And I'm glad that he came on the show and he kind of spoke to this and, and shed light on, on, how he was raised and the things that, you know, he's like, there's tons to do in this area. And I couldn't agree more. I could not agree more, you guys. Uh, and then at the end of it, we start talking about crypto and it, it was a great conversation. I, I truly, truly enjoyed it. We had Duffy in the house. Duffy was on looking up stuff. He was, our, he was our, being our Jamie, like Joe Rogan. Like he was just being our Jamie looking up stuff. So, you know, we, the show is evolving. The show is developing and I am just so happy about it. But I'm going to stop talking to you guys. And without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Josh Regina. This is it. Real talk. What not? Real talk. So why don't you introduce yourself for people who may not know who you are? My name is Josh Regina. I'm a Merced local resident, born and raised uh, 29 years old, been here my entire life. I've actually known you. Yeah. Uh, for my entire like, life. Pretty much, so. yeah. So, is CPC, is that where we met? CPC, I, we were involved in youth groups, uh, sports, water polo. Oh, water polo. We, we always yeah. played against each other. Always, yeah. So, I was at Golden Valley. Golden Valley, Valley yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Who else was on that team with you? I'm trying to, dude, I can't. We had a squad. Yeah. I, I can't even remember who was on my team, honestly. I, Adrian Opinski, um, Oh, hey. Taylor Rocha, Dude. Case by Fison. Dude, uh, we were just to name a few cops in town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's Ella Drew. Yeah. We were talking about uh or talking 
we, age was supposed to play softball with us and then uh he's on he's on the force so he's like always always busy or always working you know yeah. what i mean yeah. but uh somebody uh this kid named Dakota, he was just like, oh, is uh, Johnny, he's like, is Johnny Sins coming or whatever? And then and everyone was just hella laughing because ever since he shaved his head, I was just like, yeah, he looks identical. No, it's a, it's a funny look. No. And I, perfect guy to play, play the role. <laughs> yeah, seriously, seriously. So uh, what, what do you do as work? Uh, so I'm in the cannabis industry. Mm-hmm. I own and operate dispensaries. Um, main business model, I would say, though, is real estate. Mm-hmm investing, um, going after real estate entitlements, which enable a business to operate cannabis, Um, whether that be cultivation, distribution, manufacturing, or retail. It's a conditional use permit um, that is issued at a city level. Although the state uh, has legalized Mm -hmm. cannabis, uh, it requires a local government to uh, basically either pass or adopt a city ordinance that... And is that kind of, real quick, is that kind of why the, like, okay, legalization in California, or legalization of marijuana in California happened, but it doesn't ha- it doesn't come into your town or city for X amount of time because your local government has to pass some type of laws and things? Exactly. The state of California said, well, we should give, um, you know, the majority in any which jurisdiction the right to either say yay or nay to cannabis businesses in their backyard Mm -hmm. um, rather than just having the state open up a blanket and and say you can go ahead and free range. So very structured in terms of um, politics and Mm -hmm. local governments and and that, you know, um, is quite messy. Yeah. And so what year did you kind of start getting involved with the cannabis industry? Well, I graduated Fresno State uh, 2016, ag business major. Oh, so okay, gotcha. Studying agriculture and post-grad uh, worked for Central California tomato growers. We were packing, growing, packing, shipping fresh mm-hmm. market tomatoes. Okay. And um, I, I, you know, knew cannabis was going to be a business opportunity that, that hadn't really hit home yet. And started identifying properties that, um, <clears throat> because you can't just say, you know, where the real estate demand comes in is the city's going to say, you know, mixed use, mm-hmm. commercial, oh, okay. industrial. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I was. That's where yeah. you can open them. So you've got a finite supply of real estate available mm-hmm. in any given town. Yeah. So it makes, it makes, the real estate very in demand. Mm-hmm. And so I got into the cannabis industry through the real estate, knowing, you know, without no knowing anything about cannabis, yeah. I knew uh, what I could do was start, you know, start identifying now, properties, you know? mm-hmm. have a bunch of, you know, groundwork, legwork done, owners committed to allowing it. Uh-huh. Um, so... When I started attending the city council meetings in Merced, uh, it made it very easy for me to partner with uh, a group of operators who were already going to apply here anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but and what the op- what do the operators do? So we are running everything from uh, you know Ford planning and licensing to the real estate and then business management. So from really? inventory payroll. 
employees, you know, what brands are we bringing on, uh, it's everything, pretty uh, much. Then. Everything, everything That's that entails wild. the yeah. business we run. So, uh, I there's a lot more to. I mean, it's more to it than like you know wanting to open up a business that's something that's not cannabis. You know what I mean? That's more. Let's like if you're going to go sell clothes or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you have to be more invested in the real estate portion of of cannabis, right? Uh, up for that those type of businesses. Yeah, what makes it hard is is let's say you identify property. Uh, take Fresno for example. We just applied in Fresno um, in 2020, December of 2020, uh-huh. and um, we've been carrying this property since December 2020 to today, and we haven't even opened yet. Yeah, um, and that's because. A, we didn't know if we were going to win. It's a competitive application mm-hmm. process. Um, and then B, you know, the city moves at the pace of a snail. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, that's something we know going into the th- into the deal. So what we like to do is try to make business partnership out of the property owner. Mm-hmm. And so f- for me, I mean, I'm not carrying rent. I'm just going to absorb the owner into the business yeah. if we win. You know, then yeah, uh, then it, rather than carrying, yeah, the that cost makes sense of you know renting it or buying mm-hmm. it uh, because if you don't win, then you just wasted time, yeah. money, and effort. Yeah, else oh, so you bring the the owner of the place into uh, of the uh, that's of the land, pretty much. That's what I've been doing. That yeah. no, that's smart though and, because I'm yeah, trying to saying. piece together aspects of the business that would require a lot of funding. Yeah. to to get done. And one way I've found success is in, you know, partnerships and negotiating. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not necessarily having all the money in the bank to, to pull the trigger and mm-hmm. buy the property, but facilitating a way to win a license without committing, you know, well, I'll buy the property contingent mm-hmm. on we win, but... You know, if we don't, then I'm gonna walk. Right? Yeah. But if we win, you know, I'll buy then we're gonna get then we, you can be a partner. Yeah. That's, whatever the, you the, know, the structure of the deal is going yeah, to be, say. it has to be, you know, something that's a win-win. But mm-hmm. um, so it wasn't until it wasn't until uh, dis, a year later, December uh-huh. of 21. Uh huh. You know, we get a letter that we, you know, we we won in Fresno, and there were 180 businesses that applied. Really, and, and are they all applying for retail? For oh, so other things. That's just cannabis retail. Oh, just cannabis. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. So, and what makes a city want to open up? You know, yours compared to others. I mean, uh, or, it's going to be merit. You know, uh-huh. so you're going to have just like, it's similar to a construction company submitting a yeah. bid for oh, that a makes project. Sense. Okay, that makes um, a lot of sense. Yeah. But in, in this instance, it's not about what it's going to cost us. It's like, on paper, do you, how, how long have you been running dispensaries? Yeah. Do you have the track record? Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been fortunate to, you know, partner with a group that has a track record. Mm-hmm. And then where I've added value to the business has been forward planning additional cities that come online and, and helping, you know, and raise funds and then manage operations yeah. throughout all of the locations. So we've got uh, a few coming online this year, Fresno being next, second would be Concord, and third would be Alameda. Mm-hmm. Those are all in California. And is that uh, with... 
So the group, yeah. uh, we're Infinity Assets. Uh-huh. Um, for those who are in Merced, we originally opened this dispensary on Main Street as an Infinity. Infinity um, is the license holder. And then we merged with Cookies. So we're oh. a partner with, with Cookies. So were you guys actually open before? Yes. You were open before as Infinity? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. And when did, it, when did it, that, that location open? Black Friday of 2019. Black Friday of 2019. Yeah. Really? So right before COVID. Yeah, exactly. And so how was COVID? Because I feel like, you know, a lot of things struggled in uh, during COVID, but I feel like and that might not be true with the weed industry. Uh, the cannabis industry exploded during yeah. COVID. And um, I think a lot of it was, you know, forced growth. Essentially, you had most businesses closed and cannabis open on the flip side of that coin though um this is medicine Mm -hmm. you can't um you know if we shut down today there are there will be people tomorrow who will not have access to their pain medication Mm -hmm. whatever you know may keep them asleep at night got you know veterans with ptsd and so it is a medicinal business, and that's why dispensaries stayed open mm-hmm. during COVID was because, you know, people with epilepsy or you name it. I mean, there are a, a, a number of, mm-hmm. you know, treatments yeah. that the plant provides. Mm-hmm. So um, that was, that was a, a, you know, huge reason as to why cannabis did fairly decent during mm-hmm. COVID. But then you also had the bars were closed and you could go buy weed. Yeah. Um, so, and you got to fill up your time when you're sitting at home doing nothing. And absolutely you know what I mean? nothing at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everything's closed. You can't go anywhere. So you're just trying to figure out, well, yeah. I guess I'll just go get high for a little while yeah. and chill at home. Yeah. Especially for like the however many millions of people were laid off. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it was I was tragic. right there with them, you know? Yeah. And, and even, you know. COVID was difficult for everybody. Yeah, and I for mean, various amounts of reasons. Whether your business was open, um, there was still so much, you know, we had to go with. You know, mm-hmm. you had the the illness would go through mm-hmm. the store and all your employees would be sick mm-hmm. or, you know, it was very, very hard. I mean, we, at times, we were bringing in people from other towns and, you know, Merced employees would be working in Hayward. Yeah, and yeah. We would have to fill these gaps and it was so hard. And at one point, you know, it kept changing. If you were exposed, it was two weeks yeah, yeah. and all this stuff. And if you didn't have it, but you weren't vaccinated, you still couldn't, you know, it was yeah. like very, very So many holes and loopholes and things that, yeah, yeah contradictory things going back and forth. And yeah, from, this date, we're good without masks. That date, we're not, you know, exactly. it just, you just don't, you never, it's still, and, it, and it's still like. We just, again, got out of a mass mandate. And I was just like, I mean, come on, people. <laughs> yeah, no comment. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I don't look like too, too political on this show, let me tell you. Yeah. But so. Oh, I can go off on a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, I'll give you some good content, man. Yeah. <laughs> I was kidding. Uh, so uh, Burners or, or your, so is it is it your company that gives out uh, like benefits and things like that? Yeah, so um, full-time employees. Yeah, it's a little different than other dispensaries, you know what I mean? Yeah, so I want to talk about that. We're, um, to my knowledge, one, if not the only um, cannabis 
retail business at the, at the store level offers full benefits, 401k, dental, vision, um, you know, paid time, community service work. Um, and, you know, we take a big position in community benefit work mm-hmm. as well. I wanted to touch base on, um, you know, we help provide uh, simple equalization here in Merced, mm-hmm. which is an at-youth risk facility in town. Where's it at? Um, Kelly Turner is uh-huh. the director. I don't know the exact address yeah. off the top of my head, um, but I was fortunate enough to help, you know, facilitate the construction mm-hmm. of a food truck. We donated a food truck really? to the charity, and it's actually at youth, uh, at risk youth uh, working, working in it, the truck. And it's Simple Soul. It's Oh, I've had it before. It goes to Blaker, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I've definitely had it. Yeah, so um, put that out. And that's uh, cool. currently working on a mural on Main Street that will be about Where's that one 150 going? feet long Where's, by 30 feet tall. Where's that one going to be at? It'll be on the side of the on building. On cookies? Uh, yeah, on the side Is of the building. Is there anything there right now? Nope. No, okay. There's, there's, there's a couple murals kind of now. There are, yeah. And it's an interesting because... I didn't know this, but they actually paint the mural in a studio and then ship, you know, truck it down uh-huh. and then reapply it to the wall. Really? Yeah. Um, That's wild. So it's going to be 3D. And so there's a lot really? of time. Yeah, it's taken about a year and a half to paint. Jeez. Yeah, it's, it's big. And then. And then it's going to come up here, and it's it's almost more like, so it gets paint there. And is that actual thing that they painted going up on the wall? Yeah. And it's like uh, somehow doing it, like, almost like a billboard-ish? Well, so it'd be like if they ba- if they if they produce 80% of the base of the painting mm-hmm. on a, like, a material that they can roll, a mm-hmm. canvas that they apply to a wall that they plaster, so mm-hmm. you've got the smooth back. And then they come back and do the fine-tuning 20% detail mm-hmm. um, once it's applied to the wall. Uh, but we, we do these, these mural projects in all the cities that were oh, opening up in oh, Fresno, okay. Hayward, you know, all these. It's, it's kind of like a, not necessarily a stamp, but it's something that, you know, we bring in when yeah, we come no, here. It, and it's and nice it, helps, it helps cities in the sense of like, you kind of want to add, like, you know, a vibe or a culture to your city, oh, too. For sure. You know what I mean? And that's what's kind of cool about, like, downtown Merced and everything right now. Because, like, I mean, you compare downtown now to, like, downtown five years ago. It's, like, not the same place. You know what I mean? No. And so uh, was it kind of, like, did you guys strategically plan to, like, go on Main Street as well? You know what I mean? Like, be in the heart of downtown, basically? Um. Yeah. We. I mean, typically when seeking the locations mm-hmm. we're trying to find um you know yeah that downtown vibe mm-hmm. the, the, the foot traffic yeah you know, the whatever i mean we're you know down by the hotel yeah the, the anemones and yeah things like that anything you know what they say location 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 yeah and that's that's true with just about anything i mean mm-hmm. um 
But one of the things that I wanted to do while being here, and I must say, you know, I have been watching your podcast and I'm very impressed and I am honored to be on your hey, podcast. Hey, man, I really appreciate that. Hey, I feel like, you know, you're you're going big places and you're a superstar here in town. <laughs> and um, Hey, I really so, appreciate that. So what man. I wanted to do, though, while I was on your podcast yeah. was try to add some value uh-huh. uh, to your listeners. And uh, what I wanted to talk about today was you know, all of the hidden gems that are in Merced. Yes. And not just Merced, but Merced County. And I know, you know, growing up here, all you ever heard was there's nothing, nothing to, to do. do. There's nothing boring. to do. One of, dude, let me find home. One of my questions for you is like, I have, uh, I have uh, heard a shit ton of people saying there's nothing to do in the Valley because, uh, but there's actually is a shit ton to do in the Valley. Oh, yeah. And like, I just don't get like why everyone's on this. It's just that you hear other people say it and then it's, it's easier to talk shit about something than it is to like compliment something, I feel like. Yeah, I, I you know, one thing I absolutely dislike is then, you know, I mean, yeah, you, if you want to complain about it, you know, do something, right? Yeah, I yeah, mean, exactly. It's always action for me. Like, yeah. take action. If you're trying to have fun, there's stuff to do. If you're trying to work hard, you know, there's yeah, opportunities yeah. as well. But I think that we're in a very unique, um, geographically placed mm-hmm. you know township and that got the beach an hour and a half yeah you know to the west and then i think the mountains provide much more I'm, yeah in my opinion you know the summertime i'd much rather go to uh rainbow pools yeah uh, up in tuolumne mm-hmm. or diana falls and diana green Fall, hill octagon, octagon Mariposa. yeah um, I love floating the river. Have you been to God's Bath? Yeah, God's Bath. Yeah, dude. Yeah. There's so many swimming holes in the area. So many, and there's so many that we ha- I haven't I haven't been to, but I've seen as well. Yeah, not only uh, you know, it's not only cool to go to the swimming holes, but I almost feel like it's a journey to get there. Yeah, no, yeah, it is uh, because you know, on your way to Rainbow Pools, you have to cross. Yeah, Groveland. Mm-hmm. Where you've got the Iron Door Saloon, mm-hmm. and the Iron Door Saloon is actually the oldest bar in California. The oldest. I don't think I've been there, man. Oh, you gotta go. Oh, I gotta go. Yeah, no, big steel Iron. That's why door. I had you on the podcast, man. No, I and go. you know, it's a classic dive bar. They got the bills on the uh-huh, ceiling, yeah, and, yeah, and all that. But um, the history in the walls, mm-hmm. and that you can go sit at a bar that's 150 years old. So it was to me. open in 1850-ish yeah. or something like that? And then you come down the road another 30 miles, you hit the LaGrange Saloon. Mm-hmm. The LaGrange Saloon was established in 1887. Really? Yeah. So over 100 years old as well. So you've got two historic bars. Yeah either on your way up or on your way down from the swimming hole. And that's a full day. Yeah. It's I'll a, spend a full day. And I think there's that. something about like, I don't know, like I don't like a lot of, let's say you're born and raised in San Francisco. You're not like going on a trip to, to places where I feel like in the Valley, it's like a very Valley thing. Like I remember like, you know, high school and then, and then as soon as you graduate high school, just like go in places with your friends. And it's always like, you know, we're bringing two, three cars with us. You're packing up, you're bringing snacks, you're doing everything. And then uh, you're going to one of these swimming holes. You're going to, it's just like a full, it's like a full day where I feel like if you grew up in other areas, you you don't leave too much because, I don't know, I mean, you leave, but you don't leave like uh, 
we have so many options, basically. We can go two hours to the beach, two hours to the mountains, two hours to Yosemite National Park, two hours to literally anywhere. You know what I mean? Or any type of mountain or range and stuff like that. And I feel like a lot of other people, like if they live at a beach, maybe, and I don't, I don't, I mean, it'd be awesome to live at a beach, whatever. But if you live at a beach, it's like, you're not as inclined to like leave. You know what I mean? And I like the idea of like leaving and coming home. And that's why I started, ended up starting this podcast. Cause like, like we were talking about, you just hear people talk shit about the area, say it's bad. And like you, I fall victim to, to that, like in high school and things, but like now it's like, no, you you make it. If you if you're not having a good time, it's you making it yourself not have a good time. Because COVID kind of taught me that like, hey, we have everything like a big city could have. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and we're only growing. We have a UC that's young. You know, and we have like so much potential. And everyone's sitting here like it's the same place it was like 25 years ago. Like, no, it's not. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I just I want to give a big shout out to the people that you know keep their head down and mm -hmm. hustle hard. I mean, you just had a, a buddy of yours, Marcus, mm -hmm. nominate for thirty under thirty, Dude, and sick. I just want to say, think you know, major props yeah. and 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 there you you know want to recognize the people in our town who yeah. are not only doing you know great things but are our age. Um, I think those are the people who are going to maintain Merced's. Um, you know, everything we actually stand for. No, exactly. And so huge kudos uh, to everybody you've ever had on your podcast. Yeah. They're well, all. And that's the thing. Like, I can, like, there's so many people saying that, like, there's no one talented or, or like, just, there's just such a, it had such a bad rep for a long time that it's like, I felt like somebody needed to show people like, hey. No, for sure. It's actually not as bad as you guys are fucking making it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. seriously. Like, it's just like, and so like, it kind of was like when I, because I lived in Turlock for like two and a half, three years. And uh, there's something about like, I mean, I was born and raised in Merced, so I'm just like drawn to it. But there's something about Merced and like the downtown has a lot more character than like, I mean, I like, I love all the other Central Valley towns, but like Merced's architecture downtown is a lot different than other people's. I love like Oakdale's really old fashioned downtown and stuff like that. You know what I mean? But like being raised and raised from here when I came back to it and then COVID pretty much hit, I was like, like, I don't know. I was put in the situation to where I was like, I always wanted to do a podcast, but I thought it was going to be like about hiking or something like that. And then like after doing five, six episodes, it was just like, what kind of stuck out was that the community that we have here and how fact that like, I like the fact that I go downtown and I see somebody, you know what I mean? I like the fact that, that it's, it's a big city, it's growing, but yeah, it's still the small town vibe. Right. Yeah. No, I, I'm a hundred percent in agreement mm -hmm. with you. And, um, <clears throat> you know, to speak on Merced's architecture, I bet most people wouldn't know that there's a tunnel system under Main Street. I did not know that there's a tunnel system under yeah. Main Street. Yeah. I mean, I figured with the sewers and everything, but I didn't know if it was like a... No, Prohibition era. Really? Tunnels, yeah. Dude, okay, well, did you know this? You know Gabe's Bar? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just went in there for the first time. I was filming for the Sisters of the Valley, uh, and uh, they were having like this Netherlands film crew uh, follow them. And uh, they, we, we ended up going to Gabe's because he was going to let us film in there. And I had never been to Gabe's prior to that. And uh, Adolfo, who runs it, it's a real cool dude. Uh, and he was telling me a story about the bar. Do you, have you heard the story about the bar that's in there? Mm -mm. So the bar was built in the 1800s, uh, probably like, yeah, in the 
Yeah, the bar was built in the 1800s in, in England. It was shipped to San Francisco because somebody bought it in Bakersfield, California. On the and it was like dune, but like on uh, horse carriage times. So this bar was get, being transferred from San Francisco on its way to Bakersfield, and the wagon broke down in Merced. The guy was like, "Well, I'm just gonna sell it to somebody here," and it's been that's in Gabe's since then. It's the front of the bar, the bar, uh, the bar back, and then they used to have it used to be an ice box, but they transitioned it into a fridge. Gabe's is right there next to Strawberry. Yeah, exactly place. right there. Yep. That yeah. bar? That bar right there. Awesome. And he still has the original cash register from the 1800s. Yeah, so to touch on the So tunnels, he probably was involved with that, you know what just, I mean? Just because I don't know if I'll, you'll be able to fact check oh, here. Oh, yeah, but yeah. Hey, that's, that's exactly I, it. I've actually been at the tunnel entrance, and you know Alex Trevino? Yeah, Shout yeah. out to Trevino's, Trevino's Mexican yeah, restaurant yeah. on Main Street. The Sir Alex Burrito. Uh-huh. You got to get it out, but... Anyway, the tunnel, there is a tunnel entrance in the basement of the restaurant. Shut the fuck up. Are you serious? Yep. That's so sick. Yep. And the city actually, they put up brick. They blocked it off from uh-huh. the public, but the tunnels actually go. So if you're on, if you're underneath Trevino's restaurant, mm-hmm. the tunnels go across and under to the theater and they stretch all the way down every building connects every building connects um on main just about and so that was built in the and 1930s then 20s i mean i know when my dad was in high school that was like a chinatown area and they had a lot of underground activity going on um dude that's you're blowing my fucking mind right now yeah no i'm dead serious that's sick yeah, so try it, to find try to find anything about tunnels in Merced. See, yeah, oh, nothing's coming out. Yeah, no, no they're they're gonna. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, you'd have to find like city development from uh, like that time or something. No, you know yeah, what I you mean? can ask. I mean, and even when we were building out uh, Burner's Merced, yeah. I was I was fascinated with it, and I would always ask the city planners and and those doing the inspections yeah. who come out. Hey, have you ever been in the tunnels? And I heard stories that they go all the way to the fairgrounds. I've also heard that they go all the way to Bear Creek and that there's another tunnel system that goes, goes from the, the White side. House. The White House. Oh, the, the yeah, right there on M Street and Under, Bear, uh, yeah. M Street, uh, what's and, it called? Bear Creek Inn. Yeah, Bear Creek Inn. There's another tunnel system. I bet there. you there is. And it's very common, though. In cities, right? In cities. In Modesto, you have an underground Mm -hmm. tunnel system. In Fresno, you have underground tunnels. And they did that in the Prohibition era. They had, you know, speakeasies and and all the good stuff going on. That's underground. That's sick. Yeah. That's so cool. It is very cool. Um, Hey. Yeah. These are still look cool. Also, Duffy's in the house, you guys. This is the first time we've had somebody be able to look up stuff. And honestly, I was like, I was like, I was like, man, what's going on over there? I was like, oh yeah, I'm supposed no, to be able to look. To make sure <laughs> yeah, I wasn't, yeah, yeah. you know, he wasn't no, you, finding. But that was the same exact false. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh man, I didn't know there was somebody going to be fact checking me here. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm serious though. No, no, dude, that's uh, sick. But like, because you pulled up the the you know, cash even, register, even uh, yeah. you know. We were discussing Rainbow Pools yeah. earlier, and it there used to be a restaurant bar that was actually on the top uh-huh. of the main jumping rock, but during the like when big it, fire, uh-huh. it burnt down. Really? And if you bring 
goggles. I saw people with scuba gear there before. Okay, so there's a there's a 1968 VW slug bug at the bottom underwater at the bottom. How deep is rainfall? Thirty feet. Yeah, something like that. Thirty something like that. Um, The one that's really deep is Diana Falls because that's a mine shaft. Is that really? Yeah. Dude, I did not know that. If you so you could you could park at Diana Falls, and if you walk to the the swimming hole one direction, you get to that mine shaft. If you walk in the opposite direction, you'll you'll come across all the mines. And there's okay, let's a bunch just, of caves. So let's say you're going to Diana Falls, you're walking in, uh, you first start seeing you're walking in on the trail, you finally see the river. There's that one swim spot on the left where you can kind of jump off stuff. And then you have to keep going straight and then right to go to the... This is so... If you park your oh, car mind. on the we asphalt... Went there. We went there. The mine. The cave. The yeah. big-ass cave that has yeah. all the... the yeah. Has a fence all around it. Yep. Okay, yeah, yeah. So we have been to that. Um, have you ever done Indian Gulch Road? Okay, that sounds super familiar. Look up Indian Gulch Road. No, I, I have done... That's a... Uh, it connects right here in Merced. Right, doesn't it connect? You take South Bear Creek all the way down. All the way down. You, yeah, I used to ride my bike there. And there's I, a there's it, a gate. Yeah, and you keep going into it, right? Yeah, it's yeah. a public road. Yeah, exactly. And like the farmers will try to tell you, like, hey, yeah, nah, but you tell them you know your history. Yeah, this and you is, this used to be 140. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh-huh. uh, yeah, because uh, my buddy Errol took me there one time. He was like, hey, I found this thing, and in the springtime, it's really beautiful because the water's running, everything's green, yeah. and you're like. How the fuck am I in Merced still? You know what yeah. I mean? And it's really cool because you can go down it and all you have to do, it's a cattle road. So basically you have to open up a gate and then you close it behind you because that's what, and so that no cows can get out. But there's like, so you, we did it because we had, we had never gone all the way through. We had only gone from that area. And then one day uh, we're like, let's let's start at the other end of it and go. And then we went until we got to halfway to where we could see like, oh, that's where we've been. Yeah, I've... It's funny because my my buddies and I, when we were younger and it would rain three uh-huh. inches, the first thing we would do is, you know, go get some beer and cruise Indian Gulch Road mm-hmm. because it was just a blast. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, you know, it's a we'd same- get in confrontations with the cowboys out there yeah, who would claim that's their own property, but it's not. Yeah, um, but but they have the property on the side of it, right? They, they do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the road is like legal; anybody can go on it. So when you're on there, there's two locations within Indian Gulch Road that I wanted to talk about. Okay, let's go. The first one is very hard to see, but once you start really climbing into the foothills, mm-hmm. you'll notice on the right side, there's a high mountain peak and there's a giant cross on the top of the I mountain. I think I've seen that. No, I have. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, shout out my buddy Trent Dover, but we used to oh, climb. Trent. Hey, shout out Trent. Shout out Trent. We would climb up there and it's, it's seriously one of the coolest places around. You see Kathy's Valley mm-hmm. to your back and then, you know, Merced County to your mm-hmm. front. And up there, you had all the Indian, I don't know, bowls where they would grind yeah, grain. Yeah. and was like built into the rock? Built into the rock. That's so sick. At, at a peak where you can see a full 360 view. It's a base camp, you I know mean, what I mean? Cause, so you get up there and you're like, wow, this is very, you know, I feel in tune with yeah. well, what they were seeing, you know. And why they would choose this location. Exactly. And like why, but yeah. Um, so that's... 
an amazing lookout spot. And I know everybody talks about the top of the world. Which one's? Oh, that's the thing you could drive to, right? The top of the world is up there, you know, on the McClure X yeah, Checker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, exactly. Out there. Um, I'm trying to think now, dude. Oh, man. I'm trying to think about all the places I like to go to. And and so let's say, okay, I'm done with the cross. I'm going to get back down to uh-huh. the vehicle and, and keep going. You know, about two miles up the road, you come across the original ECV cemetery from oh, the 1800s yeah. where there was a Portuguese settlement mm-hmm. out there. And um, it's just crazy to see it literally in the middle of nowhere. Like, Yeah. That, I mean, and that's where we parked uh, on the other side. We parked at the cemetery, went through that, and then we yeah. went that way. But yeah, that cemetery, and it's it's like a, I don't know, like 20 by, it's not big. It's no. like It's like 15 maybe people are buried there. And so it's yeah. really crazy to see. And so do you know what the Portuguese settlement did or anything? I don't know what they did. It's okay. That's why Duffy's here. Uh, <laughs> you know, they do have a plaque or a memorial up there that's that really spe- gets into detail about what they were doing up there. Um, there we go. There we go. Yeah. Uh, here, I'll read it. Indian Gulch, established 1849. Indian Gulch was one of the earliest settlements in the Mariposa County, located near Santa Cruz Mountain. It was originally called Santa Cruz. Really? The town adapted the new name when the post office opened as another Santa Cruz already existed. James Morton was the first postmaster during its heyday. Indian Gulch had several hundred residents. The Catholic Church, schools, hotels, and saloons, Flores, J.G.J., Murray, a Frenchman, opened the first uh, mercantile store, the French company. The later notorious Joaquin Moretto was employed here. Another prominent merchant, Antonio, later moved to San Francisco. Uh, I mean, became the... Oh, and he became the first president of the Bank of Italy. Now the Bank of America. What the fuck? Yeah. Really? Yeah, no, that's wild. Major history. Yeah, uh, Andrew Cathy settled here in 1852, before starting the farming community of Cathy's Valley. The last like, descendant of pioneer family, Angie Solar, died in 1980. Or Solari, dedicated by Matuka Chapter 1849 East Campus. Oh, I was like East Campus. So man, that's wild though. Yeah, that's where they get all that you know, their motivation from. Dude, that's crazy. But, uh, so you keep taking this and then you get to Hornitas Road. And then, so you branch out to Hornitas. Have you seen the little short film that me and my buddy Jimmy did? Yeah. And yeah, yeah, because that's all taking place in Hornitos. And Hornitos is, it's, yeah, Hornitos is so cool. It's one of, what, Gardella used to be there, right? Yeah, so you're talking about a full loop now that you can do that's, uh, in my opinion, uh, you, you, It'd be cool to call it, you know, the some type of trail, like the Oregon Trail. Yeah. But this is the this Central, is Valley, our trail. Central Valley Trail, man, and, or something and, like that. You know, you make the whole loop, right? So you you cut through uh Indian Gulch, mm-hmm. you hit Hornitas, you come back down, you're in Snelling, you can, you know, you make it to LaGrange or you come back down. I'd stop at Bud's place on the way yeah. back. Shout out. They got mm-hmm. really good, you know, drinks and yeah cold beer um Mm -hmm. but amazing um to be able to check all that stuff out yeah no it is in a quick loop you know and all this stuff like that we're talking about is 
30 minute max from Merced. Exactly. Like, like 30 minute max. Like everything that we've been talking about in the past like 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Maybe not that long, but you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, everything is so close. And it, 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 that's, I'm really glad that you came on and started talking about this because it's like things that like I've known about, but for some reason I haven't thought about bringing it up or anything like that either. And while we're on that topic, La Paloma. La Paloma. On, on the other side, yeah. pretty much of Merced as you're going towards Snelling. Right yeah. there, there's a, another, another cattle road. And where does that one, does that connect? That also goes to Hornitos. Does bro. that go to Hornitos? Yeah. Can I get another beer? Yeah, I got you. Thank you. Um, I, you know, and there's a bar in Hornitos as well. Have you been to the bar? I haven't been to the bar. Honestly, oh, I haven't yeah. been to that many of the bars. I, I, no, dude, you got to stop yeah, at all the stop. bars yeah. because that's where you're like, oh, shit, you know, I'm really in it. Yeah. I don't know about you, but... I've done, like, Jamestown bars and a couple other ones, but I don't know if... I haven't really been to the smaller ones, and I think it's just, like... I, I don't know. There's something cool about sitting down somewhere where you're like, oh, shit, I'm, like, the 10,000th dude to sit right here mm-hmm. over somebody else the was course of 120 years. Yeah. What in the hell could have gone down in here? walls yeah. 120 years ago? So I like to see myself, envision myself now, and then look mm-hmm. in the past, like... What were people doing here? Yeah. And, you know, it it's cool to imagine them kind of doing the same thing we are now. Yeah, except they right? had a horse and buggy. Or, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it just no. was a different time. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you're like, you know, maybe you're at, off of work or at, off a big day. And then you're like ending it with a beer or whatever. And, and it, it's kind of cool to think about. It, it is really cool to think about that. And more and more I've been thinking about, like, like ancestral type things or, like, things like that where it's like, like, I think that a lot of people think so much about the future that they don't look into the past that often. And like the past is like, it's like history and stuff, but like the fact that, uh, I don't know, it just, it now, it just, I don't know, I'm going off a tangent, but it just reminds me of like how kind of Merced, like, I'm glad that when they brought back the Tioga, when they brought back El Capitan, when they, when they brought back these things, they didn't go, well, let's just fucking make it all like retro. Let's do a holiday in right here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's do a, you know what I mean? They, they like, we're like, we want to keep the same character that it used to have. And that does add a lot. Like if, if it was just a normal hotel, like if it wasn't El Capitan, if it was just like a, like a holiday in right there and it was a random apartment complex building without the character, it would, it would just feel, I don't know, off or. Yeah. I think Merced, um, has a lot of opportunity to, in fact, touch on what you just said is you know don't try to rebuild something that was once great yeah let's actually try to bring that back Mm -hmm. and um you know merced has been around for so long duffy check out when merced was found i think the mayor said 1876 or 72 72 wow look up like uh and it was named it, it, it was a huffman that founded merced Huffman. And, and that name is still in town today. Really? Yeah. Huffman. Yep. Oh, maybe, maybe he was wrong. 1889. 1880. <laughs> well, sorry. <laughs> no. But, uh, dang. But what, when was, uh, like, what was the, try to figure out if, if the tower was first, Tioga was first, or El Capitan? Like, what, what was the first, like, structure, like, big structure built? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, out of what's all your, those, and what, there's what's a your lot guess? Of, what's your guess? Tioga. Tioga? Yeah. All right, I'm going to go El Cap. I don't know. <laughs> I know Tioga's been a multitude of different Tioga used to have, is that the one I, no. There was, so, 
Castle Air Force Base actually rented the Tioga for a period of time. They had it as an interrogation camp. There's jail jail cells Jeez. in the basement. And I spoke to the gentlemen who were working on the remodel Uh who said that there was seven, whether this is years, days, months, weeks, I don't know. Yeah. There was a tally of seven carved into the wall of the jail cell at the basement. So I don't know. Yeah. You know. um, 1872 is Tioga? Yeah, uh, El Capitan. El Capitan. Tioga is 1928. Oh, wow. What about the theater? Yeah. You know, oh wow! So El Capitan and El Capitan look. I believe like presidents and shit stayed there. Oh yeah, right? for sure. There's been oh, really? yeah, yeah. Try to look I think it Kennedy up. stayed there. Oh, yeah. Anything while I he's president Kennedy was one of his finals. Was stayed at at the hotel. Um, but you know, mm-hmm. at Castle Air Force Base was at one point the one of the largest mili- you know Air Force bases in the United States. And so when that left, I mean, that, and that's kind of it, when it left, it took the town with yeah, it. I mean, huh. that's where a lot of original Outwater residents, mm-hmm. um, you know, had their livelihoods invested mm-hmm. in that military base. So, damn, I've always wanted to see something come out of that. Well, I was that's what I was happy Blaker went there and there are things that are like kind of going, but it's so big that they could definitely do something. One of my favorite things cuz I'm a, like wanted to do photography and stuff, the abandoned like abandoned buildings are just they're great for photography that you can be your creative yourself, you know what I mean? And one of my favorite things is going through those apartments and it's like I mean it's 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 like eerie yeah. cuz I mean people are just probably doing heroin and shit over there, but it's fucking it's really cool to see like just kind of like society society degrading you know what i mean as if like it was untouched for a hundred years basically yeah because when did when did castle leave you or when did the air force base shut down i don't know and i wonder why they didn't choose to like like imagine if it would just stayed open as like a small you know what i mean like as like just like a base or something like that yeah i'm not i'm not sure yeah um what did it what did it 1993 95 really so we were born yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Because, like, Ray Allen was born there and somebody else, too. I don't forget who. Yeah, there's, you know, there was a lot that went down out there. And, I, you know, I don't know as much about Castle as I probably should. Hey, man, I don't know as much as I feel like I should if I have a whole podcast in the Central Valley. But, <laughs> well, you're going to learn a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm really glad you brought this, this up. Um, man, that's wild. The... You ever go? I mean, you've been out to like Schaefer Bridge. Yeah, Schaefer Bridge. Yeah, and so Schaefer Bridge basically in Winton, you guys, you take what is that? Uh, what's the one that you take all the way down? Snelling Highway, and then you turn on to was that Looney Road? Yeah, I something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, right there. Yeah, and dude. So yeah, yeah, there's Schaefer Bridge. I'm trying to figure out. No, what Oakdale Road, right? It's Oakdale Road. That's what it is. I was gonna say, yeah, it's right off of Oakdale Road. There's that one, and there's a couple other bridges like this too. I mean, all throughout the valley, there's kind of little hidden gems like this everywhere. Yeah, and this one was really fun. I used I used to always go there in high school and just chill there. Yeah, it's an it's an enjoyable spot, and Mm -hmm. in fact, I've this is now you won't be able to fact check me on this. (laughs) I've actually heard of of cars being buried. Under the bridge. I'm sure. Um, there was a series of thefts. Mm-hmm. And 
the old folktale is mm-hmm. that they were all buried out there, right? Uh-huh. And so I don't know if it's true. That's just another, you know, yeah. small town, small town story. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh yeah, you know, I heard. What's well, like the? It's like the witch's tower in Yosemite Lake. It's yeah. so weird that that even is a thing. And what it, Duffy? Look, when was that built? <laughs> yeah, that, so that you know anything about that? That's an old tower. I yeah, I I grew up climbing around the gate, jumping off that thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we were lucky to. Everyone was always like, "Oh, Lake Yosemite is so disgusting, dude." And even like, still, dude, even like, still, I went paddleboarding last summer, I think, and I it was fucking fun. And like honestly, I felt like it was it was cleaner than. Uh, uh, like McClure and Don Pedro, only because it's not as hot. Like, yeah, like it's really not as hot compared to those. Lakes. Once people realize they bathe in recycled wastewater, <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, what do you, you know, you can't yeah. escape this, yeah, this yeah, <laughs> lifestyle of, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, at some point, you almost have to embrace it and allow it to build up your immunity. Yeah, exactly. You can't, yeah, you can't like be bubble boy. You no. know what I mean? No, everything is <laughs> contaminated. 1909, it was built. And I can't read that, but uh, so, so good. given that we haven't had very much rainwater mm-hmm. in the last two years, I would, I would, and I haven't been up to the lakes yet. Um, oh, for but, this year, yeah. But I would assume that we will experience another year where the tunnels are exposed in Lake McClure. I don't know if either <laughs> of you guys have seen the tunnels. Let's but go. Let's talk about Lake, some tunnels. Lake McClure used to be a town until they built the dam. And then did the town get and flooded? built the water on top of the dam. I mean, uh, yeah, they flooded the town out. Um, wow. But, but the both McClure and Don, Don Pedro, Pedro are man-made lakes that yeah. uh, included full civilizations prior to damming the water. But... Um, I think I have seen these tunnels. Yeah, I've been through these. T- I've taken a boat through one side of the mountain, came out Should the other. And yeah. so the water level was just yeah. perfect that you could... Perfect, Was yeah. like a little fishing boat? Uh-huh. No, no. Like a boat boat? Well, yeah, like, like, I mean, a, like a... It was, it was like an a, MB. I was at a... Fuck. Yeah, I was at a... <laughs> <laughs> how how big are those tunnels then? No, they're massive. They're big you enough have lights to, on to that put boat a then? train through it. Yeah. I, oh, I, did it used to be a train tunnel? Those are train tunnels. No fucking way. Yeah. That's cool shit. Yeah, those are them. They're all over. And at Don Pedro, when the water gets low enough, all of the old gold mines start popping up on the shores. Really? And they're massive concrete facilities. And I, shit, I don't remember what year it was, but, you know, we were able to walk through this whole elaborate cement building structure that was an old gold mine at Don Pedro. That's and the crazy. only reason they're exposed now... It's because of the droughts, pretty is much? because of the droughts. and Because they're, they're obviously not meant for people to... No, and, and not only that, but, like, you know, you ask your dad, you know, when he was younger, like, those things never got exposed because they the, always got a lot more rainfall. They were, and they had yeah. a, lot, a, a larger snowpack. So that's, that's the gold mine in Don Pedro. Right really? There. Yeah. That's yeah, wild. So I'm I'm I would be willing to bet that this gonna summer it's going to be exposed, but it almost looks like an Egyptian yeah freaking, you like know. Like yeah, that looks like it's like building of a pyramid or something. Yeah. yeah. And Duffy, look up uh look up when the Don Pedro gold mine was going on. Like or or try to find when they when the the lakes were built. Uh, I I 
you know, I think that lake is like between 5 million and 10 million acre feet of water. Fuck, really? So an acre foot is basically one acre uh-huh. times a foot. So oh, you're talking, gotcha. One one up and then an acre yeah. and then one up and then an That's acre. That's how they measure water. Really? Yeah. So when a farmer is like, oh, I need to irrigate, mm-hmm. you're, you know, they're they're putting in a request to purchase, you know, two inches mm-hmm. acre foot or a foot, you know, an acre foot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all measured through acre feet, but it's sold through the lakes. So like Don Pedro is servicing... Turlock Irrigation District. Yeah. Well, what, one of the fun facts, or one of the fun facts, but uh, interesting fact is like Hetch Hetchy. Like Hetch yeah. Hetchy is like, it's in Yosemite National Park, but the water gets, uh, it's, it goes to San Francisco, right? Isn't that yeah. San Francisco's drinking water? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's crazy that something that's like in Yosemite National Park is getting straight funneled basically to San Francisco. Yeah. The water that you pass uh, when you're on your way to the coast and you're, you go through Los Banos, mm-hmm. and you have the San Luis Reservoir. Yeah, the all reservoir that water, right there. all that water is shipped to LA, That's where sixty percent of it is used for lawns. That's wild. Yeah, I Dude, mean, human beings are like. <sighs> no, I, this. I mean, look, like, if you're growing food, that water needs to be purchased by yeah. farmers. And if you're saying that cities are putting that water on lawns, then you're going to need to rip a page out of New Mexico's page playbook yeah, and, and start requiring some drought-resistant landscaping because this is just insane. Yeah, that, dude, so New Mexico has laws oh, about yeah. that? Yeah. Dude, and it's like, especially now, especially when... You can't water a lawn in New Mexico. I mean, and we live in a... Anything getting less than eight inches of rain is considered a desert. Yeah, and how much rain have we, we even had this year? Five inches, something like that. Yeah, we're a desert. That's so wild. And then, dude, I just listened to uh, this dude on Joe Rogan, Sad Guru. Mm-hmm. And he, do you have you did you listen to that one? Yeah, I've heard it. Yeah, all about the soil and everything, mm-hmm. and how I mean, well, the the fact that stuck out stuck out to me the most was like if you take an orange from the 1920s and an orange from now, you have to eat eight oranges grown today to get the same amount of calcium and everything that are in that orange that was grown in the 1920s. And it's like people aren't seeing like. Yeah, you know, and it's really hard to, I I mean, look, I'm going to say that's hard to prove because he doesn't have an orange yeah, from, from the, the 1920s, 1920s yeah, to yeah, test. Yeah, I got you. And breeding has come so far. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when you're breeding genetics in all breeders and dogs and vegetables and cannabis yeah. know this, that you can get looks or you can get taste. And you can get taste... I mean, it's like literally one or the other. Like, really? When it comes to breeding, to be able to have the best best of both worlds is few and far between. It's so hard. So, so a lot of times what you get in the commercialization mm-hmm. of products is that they're looking for yield and beauty. Mm-hmm. And, you know, flavors like there, but like that's why a, a fruit out of the field is better, you know. Not only that, Dude, but, but like a lot of stuff too is shipped so early on. Yeah, they pick it when they're green, right? You have to to yeah. do it. To do what? It, yeah, exactly. But, but that's like tomatoes, dude. 
I used to go with my grandpa when I was little, and we go we just get because uh, he's he lives like out by the Scotos, and so uh, he'd always be like, oh, like let's go pick out pick some tomatoes because he was good friends with them, and we go do it, and like I had never tasted like or I just had the specific memory of going there and like one of tomatoes fully ripe, like and having it, like it tastes so much, like it just tastes really good compared to like if I'm buying a 10-pack of tomatoes in a store in a plastic bag. You know what I mean? I mean, that's because around here we pick them green, Mm -hmm. and we put them on a truck, pink, and we ship them to the East Coast, and then they're red there. Mm -hmm. So you lose a lot of that, the sugar contents. Because it it looks like a tomato, it just doesn't... But yeah, nobody can do that. I mean, if you're talking about feeding... You know, as, you know, 300 million people, then or you're going to, you know, you have to give and take something. Yeah. I wouldn't say that they've like, I mean, the whole GMO thing mm-hmm. is such a misconcepted topic yeah. that, you know, it's hard to determine whether something's actually genetically modified or cross pollinated. Like, what, you know, are you, so like Roundup ready corn. Mm hmm. And Roundup Ready Cotton mm-hmm. was invented on accident. Really? Yeah. It was a fungus or a mold that they noticed was, um, you know, that the glu- glucophosphate yeah, yeah, yeah. and the Roundup yeah. couldn't kill. So what they did was they took the mold or the fungi mm-hmm. Encoded it on a bullet and oh. shot a field of corn, and then it the, through the wound, right? Understood you how to you know underst- the the passage of the uh-huh. bullet uh-huh. containing the fungi uh-huh. left residue on the plant, and when the plant regrew, they then bred that plant back, oh. and it had oh. the resilience. Of to the, the ra- yeah of the, of yeah the of the roundup yeah right so then they bred for, forward from there yeah but had they not stumbled upon that accidentally and this is this is I'm not making this up. no 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 yeah. I believe you I believe you. um but and so it, with that being said though so let's say that happened so long ago what is the I mean, is there any type of, like, because now, right, plants are still adapting to the new Roundup that's getting sprayed on it, kind of? Every year it's getting more, you know, either it's building a tolerance. Yeah. Similar to, like, you, if you took antibiotics every day, amoxicillin yeah. wouldn't work one day. Mm-hmm. You're going to be, so it's the same thing. People so can start taking ibuprofen, two ibuprofen. Yeah, growers, four, are, they're, they're, like, mixing, hey, yeah. they're mixing their their labels and using this one year and this the next year. To try to, versa, to, offset, to offset the, the, the oh, that, yeah. that's very interesting. But, um, you know, I, I, I've use? always heard that nutrient argument but have always found it very hard to believe considering they didn't where's your where's your where's your or where's the where's the where's the test from the 1920s i mean i'm just saying and then you could be like hey people are a lot smaller in the 1920s because there could be somebody (laughs) taking a position against yeah modern technology and look all these things like Realistically, a farmer isn't going to collect all these seeds and replant them anyway to save money. Yeah, and all that stuff. But um, it's like one mother plant, right? I mean, that's what nurseries are, right? Yeah. And so nurseries are giving you your plants. And I wonder, like, so and so, how where do the sorry, where do the nurse? You know where like nurseries get their fucking like? Or do they just have? But yeah, they buy they buy seeds. Yeah, and then they they're grow contracted them? to grow those seeds oh. by 
whoever will be planting those seeds. But, you know, this has all been established and worked through for 100 years, but the cannabis industry is just now, mm-hmm. because you can't get a federal trademark, you can't get a federal patent on cannabis genetics. Um, so it's going to be so interesting to see what happens when you've got all these guys who are like, oh, yeah, I crossed, you know, gelato and cookies and this and that, and mm-hmm. it's mine. And it's not because, I mean, how do you, <laughs> like, someone someday is going to be like, no, I actually own all that. Yeah. You know, like, how did you start growing my genetics? Yeah. Because it right now, like, a farmer can't just be like, oh, I got this. This, I mean, they're either paying the seed company or they're paying a royalty on, the, in, or that company is paying mm-hmm. the owner of the patent a royalty on the seed. So um, it's been interesting. Some of my partners and I have been working on this blockchain project mm-hmm. that actually. I was going to ask you if you're a, yeah, into crypto at all or anything huge, like that. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Let's, yeah. let's dive in, huh? Um, and, and basically using the blockchain as a way to establish, similar to an NFT, right? Mm-hmm. Everything's going to be digitized in ownership. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got a lot of, you know, herbariums, right? Mm-hmm. An herbarium is like a library of seeds. And one way, you know, they could work around the federal trademark is oh. by being like, oh, well, it's on the blockchain for life. So, like, I did it, and here's the timestamp, right? Oh. So that's the kind of maneuver. That's um, interesting. But, yeah. There are, a lot of, are a lot of people in the cannabis industry kind of yeah. going towards that? Yeah. Because it's like— And they're using Hedera Hashgraph. And which is, a, a, and Hedera, is Hedera Hashgraph is a, it's a crypto asset. It's native blockchains, mm-hmm. HBAR, and— um, you know, they're in affiliation with, it's H-E-D-R-A. Um, so you can buy HBAR is it, as so a is digital it, asset, is trade like, it, or you can ut- utilize the utility of the blockchain. Okay. And, okay, so remind me again, a block, so I know for like NFTs, the blockchain, like, you use it to like, to use it to, to notarize or basically make it that this is like the only NFT of that or something like that? Yeah, I mean, I could basically take your podcast right now, uh-huh. put it like not as an NFT, but like this is where the the actual, like obviously a donkey isn't, uh, in my opinion, very valuable. Yeah. What's valuable is the utility and the technology. Uh, so Okay, gotcha. Like let's yeah. say you wanted to charge somebody to listen to your podcast, yeah. right? Uh-huh. And... You don't want anybody to listen to it for free yeah. over and over. I mean, so this is a way to pre-program a royalty into your work that anytime it's either listened to, streamed, exchanged, or yeah. sent, whatever. Like, and I'm not talking like you charge a a lot. I'm this is like micro payments. I yeah. think where you see crypto actually explode and. Uh-huh. Building the internet of value is like, look, you can charge somebody a fraction of a penny every listen. Uh-huh. You know, what's that do to somebody's bottom line? Not much, but like yeah. most of the content online is free and that's going to change. Yeah. Very soon. Really? I mean, in a lot of subscription-based programs and like, how do you actually control these built-in smart contracts yeah. and mechanisms that either collect payment or data on demand uh-huh. or d- data 
and you're going to see it arise through this whole Web3. Uh -huh. And um, I've got a, you know, I'm not a financial advisor. Yeah. This isn't financial advice. Anything yeah. that I say, please, you know, do <laughs> your own research. Yeah. But, um, you know, HBAR, XRP, uh, XDC, hey, DAG, um, yeah. uh, XRP is the native asset that Ripple uses uh, for enterprise use, but XRP and Ripple are not. And so, okay, the same thing. So, kind of explain to me when you're saying like some people buy into like these coins and stuff like that, and then there's other things that are like you can use these to do things. So, what are so what, is the cannabis using it as some type of form of banking? No, the just cannabis has banks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the difference is they're not. You know, they're not like. FDIC Fed banks, uh -huh. they're California state credit unions mm -hmm. and private banks. You know, most banks people use are private. Yeah. You know, they're not, they're a, they're a business. So, mm -hmm. and if they just, that, if that bank decides they want to deal with cannabis money, like they can, mm -hmm. you know, but most aren't there yet. But where the crypto utilities is really going to come in, in my opinion, yeah is like you probably hear all types of speculation stuff like that but truly the fastest way to move money today is still to take some dollars get on an airplane and fly it to another country because by the time it actually settles uh -huh. you will have already landed i mean you may see this interface transaction it's always like a complete, 12 hour but that's huh. that's not a settled transaction yeah like you know, it's like a pending transaction. You've pretty got much. you've got uh, exchange rates and and much more act like they say. Oh, well, the volatility. Well, there's more volatility in a 48 hour trans you know transaction mm -hmm. close than there is a two second crypto close yeah. in a transaction. And so my thing is like, you know, and again, everybody do your own research. But if you're gonna research any of this stuff, research ISO. 222 compliant crypto assets because what's going to squash 99% of this whole space is regulation. Whether people want to believe it or not, the government isn't going to yeah, just yeah. say like, hey, you guys can do whatever you want. We, you know, no. So ISO 222 is a compliant messaging system with central banks that is basically the first step in replacing SWIFT. And what is SWIFT? SWIFT is the mechanism used to send money cross borders right now around the world right now. Gotcha. And and so this is going to replace it. You said I'm you're, I'm, you're betting. I'm sorry. speculating, <laughs> speculating that sorry. yes, this is already like it's saying. already in motion. Yeah, I mean, so you can already use it to for other countries and stuff if you're doing something. You can do all this stuff everywhere. The only place that um, hasn't quite yet got on. Board and mm -hmm. and they have, but behind closed doors is the United States. Really, and um, what you're gonna see, and you're already seeing it in the news uh -huh. with this whole Ukraine and Russia stuff, is there's there's countries actually ditching the dollar as a reserve currency. You know, the U.S. dollar is the world's reserve currency. It's it's what is. It's what oil is priced in. It's what gold is priced in. And if all these nations decide they're going to price it in their own currencies, then the U.S. is going to lose their stronghold uh -huh. as, like, the number one, yeah. you know. So 
what yeah, what's happening sense. though is you're seeing a lot of countries start partnering with, with companies like Ripple, uh-huh, who are enabling uh-huh this new era of finance which is allowing money to move instantaneously um at fractions of a penny. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is like somebody, you know, anything less than 52 million dollars is considered a micropayment. Really? Yeah. What? Anything less than 52 million dollars is a micropayment. So this isn't like the so, odds are you're going to still use US dollar yeah, yeah, forever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? But like on the back end of like international trade, uh-huh. Like ideally you would take XRP, you would back it with gold, yeah, and you would make it interoperable. It already is interoperable, uh-huh. but it would be so a, what is a, interop- it would what is interoperable? It means it Sorry. can it can change into anything. Really? Oh, yeah. any type of currency. You basically? could go from U.S. dollars. So theoretically, uh-huh. Ripple would be a new central bank. XRP would be the asset bridge, yeah. and you'd go from U.S. dollars to yuan in two seconds. It'd go from USD, XRP, yuan. Rather than going from US dollars, uh-huh. hitting a clearinghouse yeah. four days later, and then it, you know, so all that's wow. out the door. And um, it's basically, it's I, the new middleman, yeah, basically. Literally, those, like, I would, like, I'm huge on XRP. XDC's great. Algorand is massive for, uh-huh. you know, smart contracts. And so are all and these kind of Doing this, doing that different. No, they're all serving a different purpose. And where you're going to see the huge, like crypto's small. Yeah. Like the entire crypto market cap is worth 1.7 trillion right now. That's a lot of money. But it's but not. when you talk about the equities market and global trade, you're talking about quadrillions. Like, and I'm talking like 800 quadrillion dollars type numbers, right? So. And that's every country in the world. And people want GDP. And people uh, want a stable, like right. That where like that's where no, like, they don't want. They don't want one nation having the ability to manipulate their currency to uh, to either get more or less if that of another is just commodity. Right. Out. So like if we just print a bunch of money, yeah. Right. COVID. What that does to the debt that other countries own is it makes it let you know we we can manip you know and this is not just us and. There's other big. It, this is like, just how yeah, the, global economics yeah. works. Like uh-huh. it's not. It's really a nonpartisan thing, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I I love Algorand. I love DAG, D A G. Uh huh. Um, and and they're really you know like 3.0 blockchains. You had Bitcoin, uh, was you know obviously the first the big, first big big, yeah. big deal, um, but. Um, you know, it sucks. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know if there's any users or listeners out uh-huh. there who have actually sent Bitcoin around and done it. But, I mean, if you move Bitcoin from a exchange to a cold wallet, it's going to take an hour. Mm-hmm. And in between that time, you're going to be, like, looking at the t- at the, the blockchain, like, how much longer until somebody approves this? Mm-hmm. Because it's proof of work, like... In order for a transaction to be validated, a party has to solve a math problem. Like, and that's what they mean yeah. by mining. Is- yeah, exactly. And that, okay, and then mining, the whole thing is that like it actually uses a lot of energy, right? Well, yeah. So like, what you're starting to see now is a big, 
And that's the other thing about those ISO compliant yeah. coins are all carbon neutral. So you're going to see a huge push. I, I saw that. That was on it. It was like carbon neutral. And so what is the difference between those two? Uh... Well, with these are distributed ledger technologies. So you've got a different, basically, clearing mechanism than you would with Bitcoin. And Bitcoin requires proof of work. And proof of work requires large hashing power and... You know, like they're running Bitcoin mines off like dams and oil rigs. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, in theory, like if you're like, all right, Bitcoin is, you know, 1% of total GDP. Yeah. And we're using this much power. What does it look like at 100%? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The planet would be glowing red. Yeah. It's like not sustainable. Yeah. That way. So, I mean, once... And then these new ones, so the, these other ones are, are... They're all... They're pre-mined, so they have a different technology. Like algorithm, kind of? So or here's, like here's... Then this is... People are going to think I'm a conspiracy theorist, but they can do their own homework. And you can look this up, too, but... I've, I've XR, been waiting for a guest like you, man. Let's go. XRP uh -huh. and Bitcoin were founded on the same IP address in Phoenix, Arizona. No fucking way. And, yeah... You can, they've already done trace that. The same exact? Out. Same assets. So same. Same IP address. So the same, same guy who yeah, found Bitcoin. Yeah, same guy, right? Founded XRP. And BTC actually stands. What does it stand for? Beta test coin. So it's like, we'll put this one out there, see how it does. It's the beta it's of horse. the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Trojan horse. Yeah. So you're going to see central bank, central bank digital currencies roll out, right? Where the Fed will issue... No way. Yeah, Sick, a digital dude. dollar, right? That's, you know... And they have to bring crisis to mm -hmm. the... In order to, uh, like, bring in these adoptions, like, mm -hmm. things can't be, oh, it's great. Everyone thinks it's great. Well, how are we going to get them to change, right? Mm -hmm. So you're going to start seeing some interesting things go on with the economy. And, um, and the answer at the end of the day is going to be liquidity. Uh -huh. And that's the one thing that Ripple specializes in is providing on-demand liquidity. And what I mean by liquidity is like, even if you had $50 billion, you have to take it from somewhere and send it somewhere. Mm -hmm. And, and just that motion rocks the boat so much. Like, there, this company is gonna is plugging in with every nation state on the planet individually to leverage right? XRP mm -hmm. as their bridge asset. So if a country issues a central bank digital currency and they're gonna do trade with another country, mm -hmm. there's got to be some type of way to, you know, make that mm -hmm. that trade, and the way to level the playing field on a global perspective would be to go back to gold uh -huh. and then back gold with a digital asset bridge. Oh. And so... Um, and so is the idea here... Sorry, let me just try to understand. Is it like... So right now we're kind of saying that the U.S. is controlling a lot of other people's markets and things like that. But with this Ripple thing, it's more like, hey, you're, we're going to make your money worth a little more, kind of? Well... So XRP is a deflationary asset, yeah. right? So this the supply is already there. Yeah. And you can't make anymore. So in every transaction, a lot of cryptos build in a burn, mm -hmm. which means that if I pay Duffy, mm -hmm. you know, 
so much of that transaction will be burnt and the supply yeah. will be less. So in nature, as, you know, company yeah. or, bit, you know, transactions and money starts being sent through this yeah. distributed ledger, more of the supply gets burnt off, therefore raising that price. Um, you know, you can buy XRP right now on Uphold, uh-huh. which is in the App Store, and KuCoin, which is also in the App Store. You can buy XRP with a debit card on Uphold. Uh-huh. On KuCoin, you would have to send, uh, you know, Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever you want and then make the swap. You have to get that those as your currency and then buy it with that. Yeah, yeah but I mean, if people, like, not financial advice, but... And KuCoin is kind of like, is it kind of like a Ku Coinbase? Coin, coin, KuCoin is a South Korean exchange. This is what... But like Coinbase, like, I mean, in the sense that you Coinbase, can go buy, yeah. buy different coins and things like that. So what's going on in the United States right now, though, is, is the SEC, the Securities Exchange Commission, is currently suing Ripple Labs for the selling of unregistered securities mm -hmm. dating back 10 years. Um, and it's been a long, uh, has it been around that long? Yeah. Oh, it's been around 13 years. And do we know, uh, who created this? Like, no, we, we, a... we do know who created XRP. Uh -huh. And I think I, I mean, I have a speculation as to who participated in the creation uh -huh. of Bitcoin. Is... It would be David Schwartz, who is currently the CTO of Ripple Labs. He actually lives really? in Murphy's. No fucking way. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. I'll try to get that guy on the podcast. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. I know. Um, so he worked at the NSA. This guy? Yes. He worked at the NSA. He's co-creator of the XRP Ledger. He and so that that IP address that I was yeah. discussing earlier has been traced back to a potential uh, NSA facility in Arizona. Really? Yeah. So um, he, David Schwartz actually has a 1989 federal trademark on distributed ledgers as well. So he is And the, that's what you're saying, how some of these this shits ran off ledgers, right? Oh, it's all ledgers. It's a transparent and ledger. And so, uh, so. What, is a, what exactly is a ledger? Well, a ledger is an accounting tool. So it'd uh -huh. be like if you had a piece of paper divided by two. Uh-huh. And on one side, you have the issuer, and the other side, you have the acceptor. Uh-huh. Um, you would basically move He's, the account... You know, from, one, from side, one side to the, to the other. other, and that's that's a ledger, L literally. That's it. Really? Yeah. And so, I mean, kind of like the middleman, like yeah. So, I, I mean, the the serious. Oh, just like that shit in accounting. Yeah, that's no, a ledger. That's it. Okay, you know, I remember taking accounting classes. Yeah, no, and doing that's that. Literally, it debiting, crediting. <sighs> Hardy knew what a ledger and, is. That's crazy. And the big issue that you know, everybody had before this dude came along was mm -hmm. like, well, if we make a digital dollar, how do you not copy and paste another digital dollar? Yeah. He's so, the one who thought kind he, of, you know, he solved the, 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 part the of equation it. to not, you know, to, to basically build a, you know, internet of value that you, you, you can't can measure, copy, right? And you, you can, can measure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, like, let's say that's why that, Bitcoin, there's a finite number, right? Right. Uh, Ripple, there's a finite number. Mm -hmm. And that's why their values can keep going up because if more people are kind of yeah, using so, it or investing in it, right? Um, you know, and I don't just like crypto. I, I am a big stock market guy. I love the okay. equities markets. Yeah. And I still think, you know, traditionally uh, anybody in their 20s, should be taking any spare income they have or can scrap up if you're 
uh-huh. you know, taking coins to a coin star, you should be investing that money. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen my favorite. I mean, it's been a hard year. Yeah. Like we went from, you know, massive valuations in the stock market and then got crushed by 85% pullbacks in some companies because, you know, the inflationary climate and raising of interest rates. But, you know, when companies are basing their valuation off future revenues and they're not profitable yet, that future money to borrow becomes more expensive. Yeah, that makes sense. So it, you know, you tend to see those are the companies that sell off first in the markets. But, you know, you're not going to get explosive growth, you know, owning AT&T. Yeah. Uh, don't listen to your, you know, whoever. But what's funny uh, as right a now. young guy, you want hyper accelerated growth. Yeah. And I'm talking like disruptors, you know, like Fiverr. Yeah. Like, you know, and that that stock's on its knees, right? You know, uh-huh. he rallied from like 30 bucks to 200 all the way back to like, I don't know where it's at, 65. Uh-huh. But I use it all the time. Uh-huh. And it's a freelancing app and they're growing yeah. ca- they're growing revenues 25% quarter over quarter and that's like compounding at its finest. No, yeah, and Duffy you know? has a fiber. I mean like and yeah. again, not I, you know, I don't want somebody to buy this and Yeah, lose, no, lose exactly. Their app. No, but, but you're I just seeing as an, ex- an but, example. But you know, if you are young. Yeah. And I mean young like 35 and or younger. De- or lo- younger. Yeah. You should be buying, you know, you should shoot to own 20 of these companies. Yeah. And I recommend starting with The Motley Fool. And it's a subscription service. Uh, Dave Gardner, The Motley Fool, they put out monthly Are they a, are monthly they a fan rec- of Motley Crue or what? No, nah, they got a really good track record <laughs> oh, that okay. is, you know, that so Stock Advisor returns 493%. Um, and the- they put out companies that they're buying, right? Yeah, like, this isn't financial advice, but these are the companies we're buying, and this is why, and this is our track record. And if you want to, you can kind of right exactly. Um, so again, yeah, like you know, cumulative growth on a ten thousand dollar investment, you're talking six figure returns yeah. just being a subscriber to this thing and doing what they do. And I'm not saying you follow what investors do. But like, if you know nothing right now, and, and I, wanna, I had to advise someone like, "Hey, how do?" And you want to learn? Yeah, it's a good start, place to start. You know, good place to start. Yeah, and, and watch their YouTube videos. Um, but I mean, Fiverr to, to talk about one. But I mean, they're recommending, you know, all types of companies. And for me, I mean, it, it when you're looking at markets, and you're young, uh-huh. the day to day. Volatility means nothing. Like 99% of it means absolutely nothing because you can't buy something or invest in something you wouldn't own for five years. Like, I'm sorry. Like, you're going to get caught in volatility in between now and then. And so, if you have a 25 year time horizon and you're trying to build up a nice retirement account, you need to take these asymmetrical risks that are like, oh, you know. Uh, they're not all going to hit, but one or two might change my freaking life. life. Yeah. You know, uh, those are all things that I'm like, you got, you have to. Especially while you're young too. I mean, in the sense like you're, like you're saying, you're like, you're like, if you're over 35, then go with the safe game because. Yeah. Safe to, I mean, mean, I was even 35 is young. Yeah. No, because most people are like. The day, I feel like, like everyone's getting younger in the sense of like, 
you know, the the 30-year-olds today, you know, basically us, are not doing what the 30-year-olds did 20 years ago. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's kind of like a whole different... I mean, in we live in the era of information, so, like, you know, I don't know, you guys wearing Crocs right now, but I love my Crocs, and Crocs are a publicly traded company that have outperformed the market over the last five years. Dude, I would never have thought 10 years ago that Crocs were going to be, like... I, I don't have a pair, but let me tell you what my friends do. And when I wear them, I'm like, man, these are so fucking comfortable. And yeah. and and now and now when now the kids, because my uh, my nieces and nephews wear them, and the kids are doing whatever they call the things that they put on their Crocs. Yeah, they're like they're like uh, our our generation. You remember uh, what are they call jewel bracelets? You guys remember that shit? Whatever. I mean, the the easiest way, and I'm trying to add just add value. I don't yeah. want to make any recommendations to anybody, but. The easiest way to invest is start with what you know. Like, you use Spotify a lot. Yeah. You use Shopify a lot. Mm hmm You probably shop on Amazon. You have an Apple iPhone. Mm hmm You use Microsoft web browser or email. Or, yeah, Google or whatever. You use Zoom. Yeah. You use Teladoc. Mm-hmm. You know, these are all questions, like, once you start asking yourself And these are all publicly day, traded companies? All of them. Yeah. And uh-huh. even if they're, you don't know... A Google search will tell you. Yeah. But see, on the five-year, you see, if you take it to a one-year chart, you've got a big retracement. And most charts look like that because when they started hiking interest rates at the Fed level, you uh-huh. started seeing the growth market pull back and money started rotating from tech to oil. Oh. And commodities. And so it went from tech to oil? Yeah. It does in inflationary climates. Really? Yeah. And why? Uh, just because oil has a a, a market, or uh, it's just it's it's one of those value, things I that's guess. profitable too. Uh-huh. It's like you know, it's a dependency and a depression proof mm-hmm. asset, right? And I mean, let's face it. I mean, we live on the petrodollar. Yeah. Our dollars are backed by oil and nuclear bombs. That's true. And if you have a problem with it, then, then you know, I don't know what to tell you. But, yeah. <laughs> but there's a history of, of that stuff, and I don't need to go into it, but, um, you know, and, like, I know a lot of people are all crazy on the Celsius drinks right now. You ever heard of Yeah, yeah, Celsius? I have. I've heard of those. I've seen them, too. Uh, that's another publicly traded company that's just, it's, you know, I practically 10 bagged over a, a th- three, four-year period, and I'm just saying, like, if there's ever a product that you are like, oh, this is bomb, mm-hmm. you know when you know you're onto something, yeah, right. And it's your intuition. And I, what I'm trying to do is to turn that trigger on to people like, oh, there's I don't need to own it, but I know there's a way to make money off it. Yeah, and that right here is going to be whether I'm buying ten shares or a thousand shares, right? I mean, I I know that Celsius or I, and I was just using that because I'm trying to to bring in something that most might be a listener might be familiar yeah. with or and and you know well it's like uh, it's interesting because like when I worked at Starbucks Starbucks gives their employees shares you know what I mean yeah and I'm like well no and that that's the only time I really ever thought about the stock market in the sense of like it, it gave me a reason to go like oh I'm kind of curious on what's going on yeah I mean some of my I mean I have a bias in a lot of companies. Like, I don't own Celsius. I was just using it as, as an example. example. But, okay, this is, is this um, that one year to date? 
right? Yeah. I mean, it looks similar, just like uh, the other yeah. one, right? Head and shoulders. I, you know, I'm looking at like long term. So I can basically tell you right now, AI, yeah, genetic editing, um, things of the future, kind of basically robotics. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not talking just robots, like robots, but like. UI path to software robotics where you're, you know, data entry. There's, it's just like limitless, mm -hmm. right? And so we're going to go into an era where it's like un unrecognizable. Yeah. I think. Dude, that's wild. This is so wild. But like, the easiest thing to do is to, and, and like, I like looking at companies that like are almost profitable, you know, like SoFi and uh -huh. Palantir and companies I believe are like on the edge of serious, serious disruption. Yeah. Like Palantir is a software AI company that is contracted by the US military that is using technology we won't know about for another five years. And so is that kind of like uh, like drones were used a long time ago and we didn't yeah, they, know about them? This is the software that was used to track Osama bin Laden. And they oh. can basically take data entry, they take big data and aggregate it and track it. And I mean, it's that's one aspect. But like they could take a Boeing airplane uh -huh. and they could say, this is the flight path and this and that. And using our AI, we can either come up with a whole different route Mm -hmm. that saves money or we can tell you every possible outcome if this happens or that happens really? so if you're a business and you have palantir's you know software you can implement any data point and be like well what if this plays out and then it will literally read the future it can it can populate uh, all the data take in all the uh -huh. points and then take the probability in most yeah. uh, likely outcome of every single scenario. So when the U.S. military is like... And this is what they're using right now? Yeah. And they're like, oh, we're going to do this. Like, the, you better believe they have everything. Palantir, is that uh, how you say it? Yeah. And it was founded by Alex Karp and Peter Thiel. And one of what I like is I take visionary and investors like Peter Thiel. Mm -hmm. Peter Thiel. That sounds familiar. He co-founded PayPal with Elon Musk. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then they sold it to eBay. And yeah. then he's the, like him and Elon Musk basically have a split on SpaceX. They founded really? SpaceX together. But they've been partners. He was, uh, you know, one of the co-founders of, or main investors of Facebook Really massive companies, like and it's like so this guy's like, been ahead a lot. I mean, in the sense, of, yeah. I mean, you know and what you mean? can you can basically invest in their coattails, you know. Yeah. And I so I like taking visionary guys and like be like, oh, this is no, that this makes what sense. Doing and this is why, and no, you know, and sense. then the PayPal thing, he ends up you know having a lot to do with Ripple as well. So like, oh, there's this huge really? loop. And he, and he's one of circle, the major huh, investors in the startup of Ripple and fuck in all these digital payments and in that internet of value. Um, but it's massive, dude. It's like, you know, you could 
be here in Merced right now and be doing so much online. Mm-hmm. It's it's like Dude, the that's sky so, is the limit. Yeah, that's so wild. And it's so young too, huh? Like I mean, yeah. the, I mean, the, the very beginning, that's kind of what you're saying. You're like, yeah. it's a one point something trillion, right, right now? Or what is that? Oh, okay. So sorry. I got off topic there. The crypto market cap is one point seven trillion. The IRS, right? Oh. It's almost tax day. Yeah. The IRS happy, happy, happy tax day. has a estimated uh, market cap of the entire crypto space being at ten trillion just three years from now. So that's over a thousand percent return growth. or or on yeah, yeah any oh. asset. I mean, Holy. so you can kind of see and I, like I like to like okay, the puck is probably going this direction, right? Mm-hmm. Get in front of it. Yeah, you know, and Nowhere's I think land. that those ISO compliant uh, crypto assets and then and what's ISO compliant again? Sorry, it was a it's like a it's a messaging system for oh okay banks. this one sorry and, you got you got and you. it's yeah, attached yeah. to the asset yeah itself. no guy got you guys sorry i just had to refresh my memory yeah but i mean dude it's dude it's endless like oh so at work you use docusign a lot like yeah Docu, yeah, yeah. You DocuSign. Know, docusign just got hammered on the market like massively and that's good because yeah. if it didn't you and i would never be able to buy it at a bargain because you know you don't you don't buy overvalued assets. Yeah, like that makes sense. The idea is to get a good deal and buy low, uh-huh. sell high. And but so, we, 10 years from now, uh-huh. I, you know, I can't tell you where the price is going to be tomorrow, but I can tell you on a probability, like mm-hmm. if you took the last 99 years mm-hmm. of market returns, that you can pretty much plug in future returns based on historic returns. Damn. You know, there's... yeah. If I learned anything in college, and I didn't learn much yeah, at all, I'm right there with you, man. It was a future value equation. I could tell you at this much money compounded by this rate of return for this period of time uh-huh. will give me X. That's all you need to know. Future values, pres- future value equals present value. Parenthesis one yeah. plus return, right? Yeah. And then what's the end? What's the end? Uh, the number end. Of, the uh, end would be the periods. Of yeah, time. number of periods interact yeah man so that right there like if you were oh i'm gonna put a ten thousand dollars in a interest bearing account whether that be a publicly traded company uh-huh. and it compounds at 25 percent annually this equation will tell you what that will equal in 30 years that's so and, wild and honestly this equation will blow most people's brains out of their head when you talk about future values, at, uh-huh. at, you know, you put 10 grand in at a rate of return of like, you know, shit, I'm just going to say 12%. Uh-huh. By the time you retire, you'll be a millionaire. Yeah. Just leave it as is. And those are minimal returns. Yeah. You want to be adding to that, appear, you know, at, yeah. every month, uh, ideally. Yeah. So there, know, there's some bank accounts where like, like there's the interest banks, bank accounts and stuff like that. The no. interest bearing accounts are a yeah. joke. And so, but you're lending your money out for free, and then on the on the hopes that they're not that they're they're going to match you or something like that. Oh, no, they, no, they, they, they pay you a quarter percent to just leave have your money there. Yeah. I mean, if you can if you can buy just about any broad based index fund, uh-huh. that's like n- practically non volatile and get. Five percent return. That's better that's, than well. That's well, way better. That's way better. That's fucking. And so the banks don't want people to know that. But yeah. I mean, successful people don't have checking and savings accounts. 
That's true. Like, I mean, I know rich, people, rich, like, yeah. no, they have assets that pay cash flow. Yeah, that's true, huh? Yeah. Man. You know, and it could be whatever. I'm working on a company right now, and I'll, I'll come back on and yeah, we can talk, we about, can it. talk yeah. about it. But it's going to make buying farmland accessible to anybody. And, you you know, there'll be a minimum requirement of 10000 You'll be able to own a ranch. Really? Yeah. And is that... No, we'll provide dividend returns and, you know, basically do everything. Damn, really? Yeah, I'm going to build a, you know, crowdfunded platform that takes global and, you know, uh -huh. I could take a, a property here and divide it up into 500 shares and and then make a tenancy in common uh, with each deal and, and um, pay a return based on either rent or cash flow of the crop. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. And so how, like you graduate college and you're, were you kind of thinking of doing like the normal route of things or not normal route? Did you have like a, like a normal job kind of first? And then you're kind of like, like, how'd you get into like all this stuff? You know what I mean? Just by being curious and learning. Oh, even through college, I was like, you know, growing weed and, mm -hmm. and always on doing something mm -hmm. and just having side things. I just, you know, I've got serious, I guess it would be ADHD. Yeah. I just can't do the nothing. Like yeah. I'm not going to, you know, sit around and waste time. Yeah. You know, um, and I feel like a lot of people are like that too. Mm -hmm. But um, to be honest, I... I never knew, I knew kind of where I, I wanted to end up, but I, I, you never know the path that'll get you there. You just kind of roll with the punches and mm -hmm. go, but. I mean, that's like this podcast, man. Yeah. I have, it's like on the, it's, I didn't know, really know what I was getting into when I started it. And like now we're 50 something episodes into this and uh, it's more than I ever thought it, it, it would be, honestly, in the sense of like, I don't know. I didn't know what I was doing. Like, I was just kind of like. I'm just going to do what I what I want to do and what I'm passionate about. And, like, for a long time in my life, it was, like, like, like I went to college and I was going to be, like, an archaeology major, anthropology major, history major, business major, and then sustainability and business major. And then it was, like, okay, fuck all this. What's the quickest way I can graduate? Because, yeah, obviously, <laughs> obviously, I, I, I don't really know what I want to do, but I just want to get, yeah, got you. Yeah. And, uh, but, but, but yeah. And then, and then like what I ended up doing is as soon as I graduate college, I kind of think like, what the fuck do I want to do in my life? And my, my thought was like, well, what I wanted to do when I was a senior in high school, which was like do something with film and photography. And I, I mean, I was fucking like 26, 27, like just starting out trying to learn about it. And like so much doubt in my mind in the sense, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, like, I kind of think that our generation, it's like, it, it becomes more apparent of like our parents' generation was like your like like was like more than nine to five of let me just get something with benefits. I'm gonna get work here for forty years and then get a good retirement or whatever. Where I feel like now it's like I I, I looked at my life and I was like, what the fuck do I want to do? You know what I mean? And then for a long time you're afraid of what people may think of you or afraid of like other people's input and stuff like that. But as soon as I started doing what I wanted to do with with my life, like better things started happening in my life, basically. And it was just like one of those things where it's like, 
if you put energy and you're passionate about it, yeah, you may not be working nine to five and you may be working on a nine to nine some days. But at the end of the day, if you're doing what you want to do, like then work that nine to nine. You know what I mean? Because that's what I feel like that's what I'm doing now. And I fucking no, love it. You know better. what I mean? It's way better. You, you know, you're getting gratification out of yeah. what you're doing. And that's that's the biggest thing. You don't want to, you don't want to, you know, and money's, I guess, cool, but. Money comes and goes. It does. And it's like, you know. It really doesn't even matter. Like, yeah. you know, if you put everything on the grand scheme of things, it's like, that's not... That's not... Know, yeah, exactly. There's and like, way too much else out there. Exactly, exactly. Um, and that's why I'm saying, like, if you live in a... Like, we're, like, 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 it's cool making a lot of money and everything like that, but sometimes it's fun just going to the river with your friends. Sometimes no, it's, it's fun way, going to Diana Falls. You know, I mean, not sometimes. More, more often than not, yeah. it's more fun having that moment with your friends doing something or living in the moment and actually appreciating it. And that's a, something that's hard to do because sometimes you can just get in the routine of like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go do this or I got a business meeting or something like that. And it's like, no, it's like... There's always op opportunity for growth and opportunity to connect with people and opportunity to... To just grow yourself, basically. And I feel like that's a lot of thing that people look past a lot of times. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean... Man. I don't know if there's anything else. No, dude, we talked... Dude, honestly, this is like... Dude, thank you for coming on because this is like honestly one of my favorite podcasts. One, it's really cool to have somebody look up stuff because... Yeah, no, that was huge. Dude, I, yeah, dude, that was... Dude, shout it, out. Yeah, shout yeah, out Duffy. Definitely. Dude, that was so huge because like... <laughs> he just like... It just like kept us to be like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I didn't like, want to get too far out. You, but you pinned yeah. back and forth on, on things, and then it's like he's looking up something, and then it's like reminding me of something we talked about earlier or things like that. And I've always wanted to have like somebody in here to look up yeah. stuff because my problem is that when someone's talking to me, if I'm looking up something, they're like, "Is this guy paying attention to me?" Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, and that's why I, I had people that were supposed to come at five. That's why I was like five thirty. That's the only reason I was on my phone for that little bit. But uh, yeah, no. no, but but that just helps so much. And and the fact that you came on here and you're like, "Hey, let's talk." about like hidden gems let's talk about things in the area yeah and, and the thing is like we talked about like things in merced right but that's not like the, the things that we talked about in merced happen in every single town all over the valley yeah you know? i mean you have your own swimming holes you have the own things close to us i mean if you're from modesto to to madera you have every access that we everything we talked about here you know what i mean but you go up to sacramento and you go down to bakersfield they have their own type of things that that we just talked about their own swimming holes their own things to do and it's something that, like, I feel like not a lot of other, I mean, a lot of places can kind of relate. Like, I mean, all of L.A. is something. But, like, the Central Valley is is one thing that, like, you know if you're from the Central Valley. You know what I mean? Yeah. People in L.A. are like, oh, I'm from this portion of L.A. I'm from this portion. Or you know what I mean? Where it's like, here it's like, it, like you, it's like someone asks you where you're from. You're like Merced. They're like, oh, I don't know where there is. You're like Fresno. They're like, I don't know where there is. You're like Sacramento. You know what I mean? Or whatever. But it's like, you're like, you're using other valley towns. You're like, hey, I, yeah. somewhere in the Central Valley, basically. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's good. Yeah. I would rather be from here than LA. That's for Oh, yeah. Sure. I mean, talk about messed up. Dude, yeah. And, and, and work ethic and everything else, and, man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, I, I agree. Well, Josh, hey, thank you for being here. Yeah, I really you. appreciate I it, man. Really I really, me. really enjoyed this conversation. And yeah, we're definitely have to get you back on uh, once you once you uh, you're done setting up that other thing. Yeah, for sure. All right, yeah. and then uh, if you want to give your socials or store or you know what, I'm, just, uh, just how how can people support you, man? Um, I like my, what you do. Yeah, my Instagram's just Josh underscore Rogina R O G I N A. Uh huh. Uh, you can find me 
on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. Um, yeah, reach out. Yeah, know. reach out, you guys. All right, Josh, thank you for being here. Thank you, Micah. Of course, of course. This is it. Real talk. What not? Real talk. That's it. Real talk.